Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. We are here with issue four now on stands of DC Primetime, the new crossover podcast between Next Level Podcast Network and uh, Caffeine Crew. Uh, I am Ben Beck from the showcast on Next Level Radio Online. And I'm Rob Martin from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods. And joining us this week in the third chair is another good friend of both Rob and I's. Um, and we've been had some fun with him on the showcast not too long ago when he did an interview with me and now we're bringing him into dc prime so welcome christopher mannix hello, hello. <laughs> oh, oh am i supposed to say hello? are you saying hello for me yeah you both yeah i was saying hello to you so i don't know what's going on right now hey, it's okay <laughs> i'm so confused you lost me i was gonna bet to say hello and then somebody it was like the three stooges at the same time but not really it was only two of the stooges together yeah. yes <laughs> so. I, I call I call Shem. <laughs> there you go. I've always been a fan of Mo anyway, so it's all right. It works out. Uh, Chris, tell everybody where you are from. Originally or currently? <laughs> well, as in like your platform. My platform. Um, for, as of this past February 10th, uh, nerd-base.com has hit its four-year anniversary. Nice. Um, That's that was birthed out of uh, me just not really being comfortable writing for other people's blogs and just weird editing choices that other people were giving me and how they were eating apart what I was writing and saying I wasn't being critical enough of the things that I was writing about. So I just decided I want to start my own, you know, start my own site. And we have a podcast that we're going to be bringing back soon. We're going to be, you know, doing some more of like a video cast, a multimedia cast that's going to be possibly even starting this week um and yeah yeah nerdbase been around for over four years and it's a good time man it was a was it was a was a briefly uh a briefly lived podcast right before that called balderdash that was just me and a friend of mine blathering on about random stuff but i decided to focus things more on their nerdy culture than anything else and when i mean nerdy i mean not just comic books because i worked in video stores for almost 20 years so i'm a huge movie buff i love music and Pretty much anything you could possibly be geeky, even sports. On a rare occasion, we have uh, we've had some sports coverage. But um, anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking. <laughs> <That's> cool, <laughs> uh, Rob. I know you and I were talking about this a little bit over the course of the weekend, but um, I guess we could ask. I guess there's a couple other questions we can ask Chris to kind of get to know him a little bit better and see where he'll fit into this. Right. Uh, you had you had the idea, so I'll let you. Yeah. Uh, let so, you ask him. So, Chris, like I said, obviously, I know you are a uh, very old school head with Marvel. Um, like I said, you've actually introduced me into a lot of the comics that I've been reading because you and me have been friends for, oh, my God, like 15 years. Um, but almost yeah, 20 like, now. Almost 20. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, I mean, um, I know you've been a huge Marvel fan uh, most of your life and you got me into like things like the Hawkeye book yes. and uh, like uh, recently a lot more of the Spider-Man stuff written by Dan Slott. Um, yes. But 
as far as DC goes, who is your favorite DC hero? My favorite DC heroes have always been, since I was a kid, I've always loved uh, Green Lantern. I've always, because I was a big sci-fi fan, um, and I like the old fantastical sci-fi stories that Green Lantern used to have before they just put him on Earth and didn't really let him go a lot of places. Um, the Flash, always a favorite. I've always liked the lighthearted, quippy heroes. And, um, I mean, I could get deeper into it, go to some Vertigo stuff. Like, Constantine was cool. I was really big into that in the 90s. You know, uh, when Marvel sort of went, went weird in the 90s, I kind of headed towards dc for some of their vertigo stuff like sandman and constantine um hellblazer and that sort of thing um swamp thing huge swamp uh, thing fan. Swamp thing's always been a great character especially the the new 52 relaunch that they did with him was amazing if you want a good read which i yeah i haven't yet but here, here's a funny story about swamp thing so i had actually started collecting swamp thing from he was pos- probably the third comic i ever collected i mean there was star wars then spider-man then Swamp Thing. Those are my first three comics that I collected regularly. And Swamp Thing, I had all the original issues, all the original Bernie Wrights and issues. And this one kid was a quote-unquote friend of mine, stole them from me. Oh. And I found out, and I told my mom, and she's like, well, we're going to tell him. And his mother was like, no, no, he's a, he's a little you know, bastard, blah, blah, blah. My son has had these and all that. I'm like, God, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> To this to this day, I still have yet to forgive that kid. And if I ever every the few times I've seen him over the past like thirty years since, I always bring that up. He actually apologized, which was good, but he doesn't have that anymore, so it was useless. I was gonna yeah. say, tell him to give you the damn comics back, right? You know how much <laughs> those are worth? Like I literally have oh, all the original first printing. Oh, anyway. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do yourself a favor, check out the new 52 relaunch that they did, and that since has wrapped, it's a full story, but they just launched a new version of Swamp Thing again, it's harkens back to the old Tales from the Crypt comics, it's cool. even got that art style to it too, with uh, a lot of silhouettes and such, and it it's uh, kind of nice, like, Flash from the past. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, now, you did mention as far as uh, Flash being one of your favorites, uh, which Flash? Oh, jeez Louise. Um... <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, as we start talking about the shows, I have a very strong theory about who Zoom is. And I think it's a very solid theory. And it's actually based on history of Flash and New 52 history of Flash. So, um, I mean, you kind of got to go Barry, but... I mean, I kind of I like I liked Impulse, so I really like Bart Allen. I, I loved his character. It was kind of like, and I really loved how he was portrayed in uh, Young Justice. Oh God, um, he was so good in that. Right, he was very much like he's what you imagine. Like, so kind of like, I, <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine. I was calling him Trunks. <laughs> he's he was the Trunks of the Young Justice show, um, from Dragon Ball Z. In case you didn't get the reference, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the way he sort of like had a. He just he was very much that, hey, guys, what's going on? Ha ha ha. But it was a mask to hide like all the crap he had been through, you know, yeah. so kind of like that lent uh, a nice uh, bit of uh, gravitas to his character that I really enjoyed. And I don't think enough people really appreciate his character either. Uh, yeah. And Bart ended up being a very short lived flash for a while, a couple of years back that ended very 
crappily, and it, since then, exactly. he, has, he has not been written well. <laughs> no, <laughs> the, he's not. The, not the Teen he, Titans have gotten the short end of the stick the last couple of years. And I, I say that about I say that about 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 Superman with Flash and all the different Flashes, and Superman the same way. They're very over overpowered. You know, I mean, you take a guy who could just like in a blink of an eye travel through time and just change shit around, could do just about anything. Has screwed up the entire timeline of the DC universe multiple times, and then. Like they just sort of, I think they get they get so focused on his powers and what he can do, and oh my god, they're amping it up and left and left and left, and they never really take time to delve into who he is. And the same thing with Superman. Sometimes they get so involved in like he's so strong and so powerful that they never really delve into who he is. But when you get that one writer who takes the time to step back from all the powers and the punchy, fisty, shooty lasers. And really just write about the character. God damn, that's some good stuff. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Totally agree. <laughs> uh, cool. So we delved into Chris a little bit more, but now it's time to delve into the episodes for this week. Starting off with uh, DC Bullet Points, where we give our ranking of sidekick, hero, or legend to each of the uh, to the episodes this week, starting off first with Supergirl episode 13, titled For the Girl Who Has Everything. Uh, we'll start, Chris, since you are the third chair this week, we'll start with you. What kind of rating do you give this one this week? Don't start with me because I have to let you guys talk first so I can remember what I just watched. I watched <laughs> 80 shows a week and I was like, what happened this past week? I don't remember. All right, then we'll switch over to Rob. How about you? Uh, I, I would say this week I really Going into this week, I wanted this to be a legend so bad. Um, and right now, I think the more and more and more I watch Supergirl, uh, there's a lot of things I love about the show and a lot of things I really hate about the show. Um, and trying to even just kind of step back, especially knowing that this was adapted from a good Alan Moore book, I, I expected a lot more out of it. So I, I honestly say it's not as low as last week's sidekick rating, but I would say uh, it, it's a hero, but it's not far away from a sidekick. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you on this one, too. I was, as we had talked about this last week, this was a storyline that I was actually familiar with, uh, not being as into the DC Comics as you guys are, more into the Marvel end of it. Uh, but knowing this one, I was expecting a lot, and it kind of let me down a little bit. I still enjoyed it, but it could have been a lot better. So for that reason, uh, yeah, I'm going with the hero rating as well this week. Um, Chris, are you are you ready now to, to give your rating? This was the one with the uh, the Black Lotus, right? Yes. Uh, the Black Mercy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Black Mercy. I'm sorry, Black Lotus. I was watching something else. Um, yeah, I I mean, I felt it was a decent episode. It was fun. Um, I liked that. I, th- I thought it was cool when it brought, you know, when it, when, the, when they brought Kara's sister to see Krypton. And, but I think she sort of acclimated a, t- a little bit too much to it. That could have been stretched out into two episodes, and I think it might have heightened the suspense a bit more. But, I, you know, I, I know they're going for a lot more in this first season to really build the lore of the series. So uh, what's the rating, one to five? No, uh, sidekick, hero, or legend? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'll give it a sidekick for the potential. Oh, okay. Uh, that's two for soup. That's two sidekick ratings for Supergirl in the past two weeks. So, uh, but next episode of the week, uh, is the flash episode 13 titled welcome to earth Two. 
Uh, I'll start this <laughs> one off, and I want to say, is there a ranking higher than Legend? I wish. <laughs> we oh, were thinking man. about that the other day. Because this would get it. This is an absolute... I, I think <clears throat> this is absolutely a Legend status for me. I, I think this is uh, probably very easily the best episode of the season so far. I agree. Totally so, agree. Uh, yeah. I Chris. Think... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Chris, how about you? What you're ranking for this one? I, I, I mean, I guess we're all on the same yeah, boat. That this is legend. 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 That's unanimous. Yeah. E- easily because the, again, going back into the history of Flash and all the different multiverse things, the, 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 the hints and the little notes that they dropped throughout this episode were, and just not even to the comics, but to the series itself was just wonderful. It was such a fun, lovely episode. Yeah. I can't wait to, till we delve into this episode a little bit further just because uh, and i'm apologizing ahead of time that we will probably spend more time on the flash this week than than any of the other three shows but uh, I, I agree if not we'll probably just go way too long on the flash <laughs> yeah exactly worth uh, it yeah oh, totally uh but next one is arrow episode 13 titled sins of the father um we'll do the synopsis when we do the breakdowns of the episode but rob we'll start with you on this one uh, I give it a solid hero. Uh, the ending could have been kind of teetering in that towards legend, but they uh, kind of faltered in a couple spots, especially near the end of that episode. Uh, there was a lot of melodrama in this one, a little bit more than we've seen in the past couple of weeks, which I thought we were getting a little bit more away from. But uh, yeah, I would say still, uh, it's still worthy of a hero. Okay, Chris, how about you? I'll give it a hero just because it's kind of, with what they did for it, it just... I don't know, it seems sort of a throwaway. I would have rather, instead of, um, <laughs> I keep wanting to call her Talia al Ghul. Uh, Ross, oh, that's Nissa? <laughs> yeah, Nissa. That's Talia, let's be honest. Yeah, it, it totally <laughs> much is. Um, I would have rather had seen, you know, Oliver bring back Constantine to help heal Thea. <laughs> well, it, I mean, in, in, in respect to that, too, I mean, that was one of the most highest rated episodes that Arrow had was when they brought in Constantine. And the yeah. only episode that made the like flashbacks mean anything. Exactly. Very That's true. true. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I- I'm giving it a hero. Uh, it's a high end hero. I mean, it's teetering on legend for me. Uh, and I have my reasons why, which we'll get to in the breakdown. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a hero ranking for me as well. And finally, fourth episode of this week that we'll be discussing is DC's Legends of Tomorrow, episode four, titled White Knights. Uh, and we'll wrap things up with uh, Chris. We'll go to you on this one. I really enjoyed it. I'll give it a legend. I thought it was a really strong episode. So, All right. Uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, I'm actually going to go legend as well, if not just for, let's see, the Rocky Four reference, Time Cop reference, <laughs> and uh, Top Gun. So uh, <laughs> legend right off the bat. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's a legend for me as well. Um, But with that being said, let's move in to Secret Origins, where we break down the episodes, reverting back to Supergirl episode episode 13 for the girl who has everything. Where do we want to start with this? I guess we could start with the black. um, I want to say Black Lotus, but it's not Black Lotus now that I uh, black uh, Black Mercy, (laughs) the Black Mercy. Right. And that's something I should have known again, being a fan of this uh, this storyline. Uh, let's wonder some of the strengths that we thought with this episode. Cause I know Chris, you gave it a sidekick. Uh, Rob and I, we gave it a uh, hero status. Uh, let's start with some of the strengths of the episode. Uh, I, I gotta say right off the bat, I think my favorite moment of this episode was seeing, uh, John Jones portraying Kara at uh Kako. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was, I think, honestly, one of my favorite things. And it kept that 
uh, the levity in this episode, uh, which was good because you needed that balance because of, I mean, honestly, you've got Kara going back to a world that she remembers. Uh, you know, it's not like uh, Kal-El where it's kind of like, hey, this is the life I, I wish I had. Um, but this is a life that she did have and she remembers it. So I think that was supposed to be really hammered in there a lot harder. And I think they missed the boat on that a little bit in a couple of times. But uh, I will say at least John's stuff that he did uh, throughout this made the episode a lot more enjoyable. Well, not, not only that, but we get to see him later on in the episode portraying Martian Manhunter again as well. Uh, which I, I'm really enjoying every time they do that because, I mean, obviously you have to go CGI when you do something like that. But uh, I think the CGI is for for a television series is pretty well done on on John Jones. So we get to see him a little bit later on towards the end of the episode uh, in a battle scene between uh, Non and Supergirl, which we'll get to a little bit later on. Uh, but as far as the... Um, Oh, holy crap. Why do I keep forgetting the name of the goddamn plant? Black Mercy. Black Mercy. I'm, I want to say Black Mamba, but now. That's... <laughs> now, we're in... <laughs> now, now we're in Quentin Tarantino. Now we're in, like, in Kill Bill. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I did like the look of the Black Mercy. Uh, I did like how it was portrayed uh, actually physically uh, being on Kara. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just seeing it in shot, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm seeing this actually happen on TV. And it, it made me very excited. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I couldn't I couldn't help but uh, laugh when it was wiggling like <laughs> rubber tendrils. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just honestly, I, I will admit, I, I don't know much about the uh, Black Panther <laughs> Black what was it? Black what, Mercy. What was it again? Oh, okay. Black, yeah. That's Black, Black that's, Mama. I know, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> Yeah. I mean I just I just thought it was a it was a decent episode that could have been a lot better. So yeah, I agree. I forgot to do the synopsis too, which is uh, a parasitic alien attaches itself to Carrot, which we figured out already by the conversation. Uh and traps her in a world where Krypton was never destroyed, leaving Alex, Hank, and the DEO to fend off a Kryptonian attack without her. I guess one thing worth noting, uh one big thing that actually did happen in this episode is we saw the death of a major character. Uh yeah, Astra uh, uh died at the hands of Alex in this episode. Yes, exactly. Uh do we think that this is something I I mean obviously it is. It's it's something that always comes about later on. It never stays buried. Uh what do we think the repercussions for Alex is going to be when Kara actually finds out that it was Alex and not Hank that did the uh, I'm going to throw that th I'm going to throw that to you, Ben. <laughs> I uh I I generally I hate to say it, but I kind of just don't care. Um, you know, and I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I think it's going to be something that's going to last maybe half an episode where Kara and Alex have their differences and they're going to make up by the end because that's the kind of stuff that we're getting out of the show. I don't want that to come across as if I'm hating the show because I'm not. I'm still watching. I'm still there are definitely moments of the show that keep me enjoying it and keep me coming back for it. Um, but there, there are so many things that they could do better over the course of, uh, the past couple episodes that we've had. So, um, I mean, I think honestly, like you and me were talking the other day and we were saying, you know, I'm kind of hoping that right now Supergirl is in that. I'll like, you'll uh, arrow season one kind of just trying to find itself. I mean, the flash, uh, thankfully already had like, you know, the backdoor pilot and arrow. So that made life a little bit easier for them to just hit the ground running. No pun intended. Uh, but 
I think Supergirl has got a lot it has to attempt to figure out as a show. And I, you can see them still struggling with it. Like every episode, they're doing more and more things that are, are, are fantastic. And I'm finding less to have issues with. But I think they're still falling into the network, uh, CBS network kind of trappings a little bit too much. Yeah, and to a degree, I want to say this almost has me a little worried about the upcoming crossover with The Flash. Um, Because I'm kind of hoping that with as good as The Flash is, uh, I'm kind of hoping this kind of doesn't dumb down The Flash a little bit by bringing him over. So I'm just hoping that they really do that crossover right. Yeah, you you heard the uh, the name of the episode, right? Uh, world's greatest. Right? Yeah, world's, world's finest. World's finest. Yeah, world's finest, but no apostrophe on the s at the end of world. Yeah. So like, as in referencing multiple worlds. So I mean, obviously, it's they're they're doing it interestingly where they're bringing Flash into Supergirl, but still keeping it a multiverse thing. So that they don't have to exist in the same universe. Oh, yeah, yeah. We discussed the the crossover a little bit last week, and it's pretty clear that it's going to be like a multiverse um, multiverse situation, which I'm fine with. I think is, is pretty awesome. So, uh, but I guess I'm trying to think if there's, uh, any, if there's really anything else we should bring the other, up. The only other real big talking points is, you know, they pull Maxwell Lord into helping them out um, with the, like everything kind of falling apart uh, and trying to keep Kara alive using some of Maxwell Lord's tech. Um, you know, beyond that, though, I mean, we did get to see young Kal-El, uh, True. but it wasn't really used much. And I think the biggest problem that I had with this, just because of being a huge fan of the source material for this episode, uh, I really had a big issue with Alex being the one that went into the dream sequence. The one of the bigger points that they've always done with for the man who has everything. It's got to be it was in those books, Superman coming to grips with this is not real and fighting his way through it. And that kind of showed that Kara's kind of a weaker character, um, that she couldn't do it on her own. I mean, granted, that builds up the ensemble cast a little bit and everybody's relationship with each other. But I think that took a little bit something away from her. I, yeah, I can see that. I can see that as well. Um, yeah, because, I mean, if you go back to the original source material, it's it's Kal-El who gets himself out of the situation just by fighting uh, fighting it on his own. And you're right, by bringing somebody else into it, especially somebody who's not even from that world. Uh, you're right, it kind of weakens the character a little bit. So the only other thing I can think of to bring up about Supergirl is we're seeing the battle between Alex or uh, Kara um, and Nan, Supergirl and Nan. Uh, do we think there's ever going to be a point in the show where Nan is going to become similar to the Nan we know from the movies? Um, I, I, I was wondering that myself, but I, at the same end, I have to admit... Also, I cannot stop myself from hoping that they bring in a character called, like, you know, uh, Chicken Tika to fight him. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious. As a joke, just went everybody, over everybody's head. Never mind. Yeah, oh, it did. It's okay. I had to think about that for a second, and then I was like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> that, went, that went completely. Bad joke. Well, it went you completely... can edit that out. You can edit that out. <laughs> it went completely over my head. Oh, no, we'll keep it in because maybe some of the listeners will get it. So, um, yeah, so for that reason, don't explain it. So. Uh, <laughs> it's now you know I'm, I have to now because it's a really okay. stupid joke. But his name is Nan, you know, an Indian food. 
One of my favorite Indian dishes is, of course, chicken tikka, and you use a little bread that they call naan to, you know, goop up and eat it with. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Complete, <laughs> completely uh, over my head. I'm never going to be invited to this podcast. <laughs> yes, you, yes, you will. Oh, God. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Uh, but let's move on to. I laugh about it. If, if you said masala, <laughs> you know that I would have been right on board right away. So it's okay. How about a nice vindaloo? There you go. <laughs> That I see. I, that I got. There's, I got a, that there's another Kryptonian called Vindaloo that's gonna fight <laughs> Nan, and it's gonna be a spicy battle. <laughs> uh, there you go. Rim, your own rib shot. Uh, let's move on then to. I know the one Please. episode <laughs> that we're all looking forward to talking about. Episode thirteen of the Flash. Welcome to Earth Two. Uh, a lot happened in this episode, but the synopsis, Barry, Wells, and Cisco travel to Earth 2 to rescue Jesse from Zoom. There, they encounter Killer Frost and Deathstorm, who are Caitlin and Ronnie on Earth 1. Meanwhile, Jay takes Barry's responsibility of defending Central City from a metahuman named Geomancer. Um, God, there's so many strengths to this episode. And to start talking about the weak points of the episode, are there any? That's really the question. Uh, honestly, I, I I can't find any. I, I watched this episode three times now uh, just to try to kind of pull it apart a little bit more. And I just don't see any real issues with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm in the same boat. I really can't find any faults to this episode. I know I did read online that it is uh, the highest rated episode of Flash. I think not just of this season, but possibly i think it's uh since 2014 this is the highest uh rated episode of the flash so if if i do have one complaint they that i think they played it too much of a oh it's opposite day you know um just having everybody sort of just be an opposite instead of i think they could have played it a little differently it was fun and it was really good and don't get me wrong i, I loved it immensely but you know, uh, you take Snart, Snart's the mayor. Did you catch that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mayor Snart, like uh, Deadshot is, instead of a crack shot villain, he's a terrible Hor- shot cop, you know? Yes. I think they just, they, they, they took the the opposite day, the mirror universe, uh, too far, I think. Instead of, yeah, I wasn't as into it. Okay. And that, uh- and that, that when I think about that aspect, I'm like, ugh. It was it was too much. It was too much like, hey, let's just do an opposite of this character and an opposite of this character, opposite of this character. It was fun, but it was too too mirror universe rather than Earth Two is right. kind of what I, saying. Okay. Half ex- I half expected, you know, Earth Two Barry to have a goatee and be evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we don't know. He 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 could grow it in the next episode, so <laughs> there, there's time. Um I can see that to a degree. I mean, because like you said, I I do want to say um I guess starting with one thing, one point of this, I loved seeing Michael Rowe back. Um, I know, granted, he's been on Arrow the past the last couple of times we've seen him, and his character was unfortunately killed off. Uh, well, so we think uh, his character had come to a conclusion on Arrow, but I loved seeing him on the Flash again. Like I literally cheered when I saw him. Oh yeah, it, dude! I, uh, honestly, one of the big things I got to say, even too, even before we dive into all the characters, the world. Earth 2 had this like gorgeous noir art deco look to it that really kind of was like really reminiscent of the Batman animated series from the 90s. 
uh, the, down to the cars, the buildings, everything. It had this futuristic but 50s kind of take to it, kind of almost even like Fallout, like like Soa. And just seeing that, it was nice to see that. And, hey, we got our monorail that we talked about last week. <laughs> That's right. Every town needs a monorail just so it can somehow become into peril and the heroes can save it. Uh, but, yeah, I love the contrast of colors from the time that they step out of the building into – uh, you know, into the city, and uh, it's got like a brownish tint to it. With the, it gives it that noir feel, and I loved it. I loved it from the second that they stepped into Earth Two. Uh, like I was already in love with this episode. Uh, but a couple notable things uh, that we can, uh, I guess, one thing that we could start talking about with this episode is the moment that Barry, Cisco, and Wells step into uh, the speed cannon. There's a lot of things that we see. Uh, in the vortex as they're traveling. Yes. Um, one of them is the Legion flight ring, which we see. Uh, we see Connor Hawk. We see um, John Wesley ship as the old original flash. Oh, that made me so happy. Oh, that was <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Uh, Gorilla Grodd, Jonah Hex, who we know is going to be appearing on DC's legends. Of oh, I missed, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I got, I, got, I, I got a quick look at it. Yeah. I had to go oh, back and rewatch sweet. it again. I actually uh, liked that movie. Unlike a lot of people. The one with uh, is that Josh Brolin? Yeah, yeah, okay, pretty decent. Yeah, Uh, and Supergirl we saw in there as well. So I mean, obviously, if we're going into the multiverse uh, theory with this show, these are all obviously things that are happening present day on another world somewhere. So uh, Rob, I know you and I had seen this in a video when we were hanging out this weekend. Um, I think it's really cool and a nice homage to think that somewhere present day on another universe, John Wesley ship is still the flash. I know. And that makes me so happy. I love every time like we get references. We saw that with the trickster episode last season where they actually use still shots from the episode with the trickster in court with Mark Hamill. Um, I mean, I love they keep referencing that stuff. And then the fact that they even cast John Wesley ship as a as Grant's, Grant's dad in this. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that as well. Um, I think – oh, do we think these are all things – I mean obviously we know Connor Hawk is going to show up on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Gorilla Grodd we've already seen. Jonah Hex we know is going to be on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Supergirl we know the crossover. Do we think there's going to be a storyline later on with the Legion ring? Uh, yeah, and it could be in one of two places. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that in Legends, but uh, Supergirl spent a lot of time as a member of the Legion. So I'm wondering if they'd ever consider going in that route on Supergirl. Yeah, that could be interesting. I I really think, though, honestly, that with these shows, I mean, I know there's going to be uh, a life to it. And I know with the amount and the, uh, the just the complete permeation of superhero shows on TV right now, there's going to be an end coming. I'd say give it five years. But I really hope that they don't try to you know, shove everything in so fast and like they build more of the lore up before they reveal stuff like that, you know? Yeah. No, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. And I, it's nice because they've got such a, a dearth of content to kind of pull from um, that they really can keep throwing stuff like this out without kind of using their rod up too much. But I, I think it makes you wonder how soon we're going to see a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, some of the stuff we might not see for a while. And as you had mentioned, too, uh, as there's already nods to it, some of the stuff we may not even see on The Flash. I mean, there's other venues that they could like they can explore with this. So well, I, I did. I did like that in the episode. They did reference um, the Blackest Night storyline by having Deathstorm in there. Yeah, that made me really happy, too. That was you know, that was really cool. 
So is Killer Frost part of that same storyline, or is she something completely? No, she's she's just a DC villain, man. She's just a it's... normal DC villain. Now here's here's what I don't remember. I, I can't remember. Is she? Because I know they in Supergirl they brought in Livewire, who correct me if I'm wrong, was a Paul Dini character from Batman the Animated Series, right? Uh, she started up in uh, Superman. Yeah, uh, Superman the Animated oh, Series. The Superman so, animated, right, right, right. But she was like another Paul Dini creation, just like she Carly. was. Yeah, she, yeah. She she kind of came to fruition from there, where she was the old shock jock that you know came to the accident. Yep. Right now, I can't remember where um, Killer Frost is from. She was more of a classic character. Yeah, she um, is. She is just a classic DC uh, DC villain. I mean, I yeah. think you actually even see her in. Um, she's made appearances in the old Justice League animated series, the Dini uh, Bruce Tim universe, and as well as uh, Young Justice. I don't remember that. I just watched Young Justice recently. Uh, she's in the opening episode where they have all of the cold villains, where they have like oh, uh, right, Icicle right, and right, right, Killer right, Frost right. and all of them all attacking okay. on the same day. Yeah, gotcha. So, but yeah, she's just a good classic, and it was nice to finally see them uh, give us that nod from last year at the end finale with uh, seeing Caitlin as Killer Frost. Yeah. Uh, so, also in the um, in the vortex in the time vortex, we saw that there. Yeah. So before we move on, I have a theory. It's a very spoilery theory, but let me know. I'll, I'll leave it till till we're ready, till right before we're ready to move on. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, still a number of things that we uh, we need to point out from this episode. Uh, I know one thing that I know all three of us are excited about. Would I, I'm I'm just taking into consideration, Chris, knowing you, you're just as excited about this as we were. Uh, we mentioned it last week, and we finally got to see it. Earth 2's Joe is a lounge singer. Papa uh, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Papa Joe. It was amazing. I, I wish that we could have got like another 10 more minutes and just listened to like, you know, uh, Jesse all just sing. And that would have been great. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I, I, I actually watched this episode of The Flash with my mom because I got my mom into The Flash. So she, she came over and watched it with me. And I had to tell her that, you know, Jesse L. Martin actually knows how to sing. And I went back and afterwards to prove it showed her clips from Rent. Because he's, uh, um, you know, a cast member in the TV, in the in the movie Rent and the stage production Rent as well. Uh, but yeah, she was kind of like blown away when I told her that he was an, he's an actual singer. He knows how to sing. That's why I was excited to see him as a lounge singer in the show. So, yeah, and, um, and that led me into a YouTube poll where I actually showed her a clip of Glee with Grant Gustin, too. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, we do have a couple other things. Do we want to go back to the start of the episode and kind of tear this one down? Um, because, I mean, a lot did really happen in here. Uh, I mean, like I said, obviously, Barry and, and Cisco arrive with Wells. Um, but as soon as they get in there, they run across uh, who was going to be the other half of Firestorm, uh, who's still just working in Star Labs. Well, I want to go back um, just to one quick point. Yeah, because we're, ju- we're kind of jumping all over the place. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but one quick thing. Uh, I do want to mention, too, that I did really enjoy about this episode is last week we saw that they figured out a way to close the vortex, um, you know, to they, to close all the holes in the uh, around the city. We know how it's done. We know that it can be done. I'm really glad that they did not spend a lot of time on that of them going around. I'm glad they didn't make a whole episode about them closing all the all the portals around the city. They nope, made it we got very 30 quick seconds. <laughs> yeah, they made Maybe. it very quick. And in the first, in the opening minute of the show, we went from 40-something to one. And I'm glad that they did it that way. Yeah, like I said, we now have the, the one breach, like uh, Ben, uh, you know, speculated breach. a couple weeks ago, that uh, is still at the base of Star Labs. And then, you know, like I said, obviously, when they all uh, 
tore off into Earth 2, uh, the speed cannon broke down, and uh, Jay and Caitlin now have, what, 48 hours to repair the speed cannon to be able to pull them out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now we can jump back into Earth 2. So I just wanted to make that point. Um, so like I said, we got to see the other, uh, the other, what would be half of Firestorm now just working still for Dr. Wells on Earth 2, not a villain, uh, going back into that whole mirroring side that we've been seeing a lot in this episode. Um, and then, uh, Barry ultimately trying to figure out how they're going to go about their plans. We get the unveil of Mayor Snart and then, uh, Barry stealing his Earth 2 counterpart and then back to the, like, you know, Jennifer back to the future to uh, him. (laughs) So, well, yeah, because he he brings him into into the lab and uh, and yeah, he he gets more excited about meeting Wells than he does his own self, which I thought was uh, pretty funny. So, uh, but yeah, we see um, see it's kind of tough to go in order with some of this stuff. I know one of the things that we see when Barry goes into the police station, uh, we get introduced again to Floyd Lawton, who is now a detective and a horrible shot instead of an amazing shot. Still called Deadshot, but for the complete opposite reason, going into that mirroring. Uh, we see that Iris is the actual captain of the police. And uh, Ca- Captain Singh kind of looks like a pimp. He does, because he, yeah, because he's the criminal that's getting locked up. Uh, one cool, really cool nod uh, in the police station is the actual sign on the wall is a nod to the Justice Society. Yeah, the justice and uh, freedom for all, which you can see it kind of looks like a legion of people dressed as uh, uh, the old school uh, uh, Jay Garrick Flash, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, that's where yes. we hear. On if, you, if you'll notice now, I, I'll admit I didn't catch this during the show, but afterwards when I was like looking up because there were so many references during the oh, process yeah. of the show. Like when he says, oh, I sent my parents two tickets to Atlantis. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, aside from that, one I caught online later was that on his little speed dialer thing. Oh, uh, yeah. That made me the smile ear to ear. Yeah. It says Hal, Bruce and Diana on it. Mm-hmm. As and, well uh, as Eddie and and mom and dad. Yeah. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, we we have a uh, maybe like we may still see Rick Costnett somewhere in this world we don't know yet we haven't heard any rumblings but yeah the uh the nods to just Hal and uh bruce and diana were this that was just very cool to see yeah yeah um i will have to say that i did love the moment when he called his mom and spoke with his mom um i love that touching moment you know when he got to experience that a little bit more oh god yes so that's one of the things i love about this show too is while the show is fun and something that we we probably, when we were younger, never thought we would ever see on television portrayed this way. It's a show that can capture the action, but can capture the emotion at the same time. Yeah, yeah this show has got an amazing heart. I mean, like, anytime that you can put, like I said, either Grant or Jesse out on screen and have them cry, you just kind of fall apart a little bit when you watch it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's something that we've we've made we've you know we've spoken about a little bit is that anytime Joe cries we cry. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> cry cry I think is an understatement. Uh, a weep like a child in the corner that's probably <laughs> Don't cry, Papa Joe. Well, I mean, and this has to be one of those ones where it, it happened to us too because we saw the death of Earth Two Joe. I know. I oh, hope, that was I so brutal. My TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple notable deaths. Well, at least Earth 2 notable. 
uh, in this episode. We saw the death of three main characters in this show, uh, starting off with Joe, who was killed by Killer Frost and, and, um, and Deathstorm. We saw the death of Deathstorm later on mm-hmm. in the episode by Zoom. And then also at the hand of Zoom, we saw, in my opinion, one of the coolest villains we've seen yet, uh, Evil Cisco, a.k.a. Reverb. Yeah, yes. which, which was a great nod. I'm so happy that they are saying, fuck it, we're going to use Vibe and Vibe's hi- like history. So like in uh, old DC continuity, um, yeah, Cisco's brother, and I think his character wasn't even named Cisco back then. Um, his brother was, uh, yeah, a villain that ran a street gang named Reverb. And so the fact that they had him portray Reverb down to the leather jacket, ponytail and all, I was like, that's just wonderful. Made me smile so much. Uh, the fact that they continue to do that and make Vibe a viable character is just yeah. Awesome. And it just sucks that we're not going to see him anymore because Zoom obviously killed him off. Um, I guess one other notable thing that we can mention in uh, at least on Earth 2. I know. Actually, I'll save that till the end because it's more towards the end of the episode anyway. Uh, One other thing that we saw back on Earth 1 is we saw the reveal of Velocity 7. Mm hmm which gave uh, Jay Garrick his speed back, at least temporarily and partially, because he did have a couple stumbles, and I don't mean that in the ironic sense. He actually did fall uh, when he was running. But, I mean, you know, obviously this is something that, Rob, I know you had mentioned before, too, uh, gets up to, I think, Velocity 9 yes. at some point. Yeah, Velocity 9 was uh, in the comic series, uh, was created by Vandal Savage, and when... Uh... Barry Allen actually came back from the Jeff Johns rebirth. Uh, a couple of uh, speedsters lost their speed uh, and their touch with the speed force. And one of those was Bart Allen. And uh, he took velocity nine to gain his, uh, his speed back, which ultimately almost killed him. So I thought it was a really kind of cool nod. So is that, I'm assuming I'm, well, I'm trying to figure out if this, if velocity nine is going to be something we're going to see on DC's legends of tomorrow, or is this going to be, Something that's going to continue on the Flash. Uh, it sounds like Flash. It sounds like it's going to be the next episode. Actually, um, there was a little bit in the synopsis for next week that Caitlin creates Velocity Nine. So, really, so I'm, I'm wondering what that's going to do. Okay. Um, I guess unless anybody has anything else for like the middle of the episode that I'm forgetting, uh, we'll jump closer to the end where we saw Zoom actually capture Barry. And lock him in a cage. And across the way, before we see Wes, uh, Wells' daughter, we see the man in the iron mask. Okay, I have to jump in now. Okay. Do it this, up. this is my theory, and I'm so excited about it because, of course, the big question this season is, who is Zoom? Who is Zoom? I think I've got it figured out. Okay. And uh, uh, the man in the iron mask sort of cemented it to me. So I believe it's Wally. The reason is... Are you saying that Zoom is Wally or the Man in the Iron Mask is Wally? Both. Oh, okay. Yes. So, I believe that Zoom kidnapped Earth-1 Wally, put him in the Iron Mask in the room, so that nobody would know that, you know, who he is, that he's not the real Wally. And he's been the Wally, what we've been seeing this entire season so far, has been Zoom. Especially revealed when he said one line, he goes... I just need to keep going faster. Okay. You remember that? I do. And, and we had actually touched on that last week because my prediction uh, is also that Zoom is Wally. And it was for that exact reason of the line where, you know, the speed addiction and such. And see, now, this is what I'm loving about your prediction is you are actually kind of combining 
uh, two predictions that Rob and I both have that we talked about this weekend. Because my prediction is that Zoom is Wally West. And Rob, your prediction is that the Man in the Iron Mask is... Wally West. There you go. So, so you, you may have actually found a way that both of our predictions are viable. And I'm loving it, to be honest. Yeah, again, yeah. Doom, again, Zoom I'm... kidnapped the other Wally. And he basically makes himself to be the only Wally for the time being. And, yeah. and, and Zoom in the New 52 was Wally. So... Uh, we got a couple mixtures of that. Like we've gotten, yeah, um, well, yeah, kind there, of like there's, uh, there's been how many zooms though? You know? Yeah, that's. I mean, same with yeah, it's zoom or uh, reverse flash, however you want to put it. So it, it's always tricky to see how they're gonna go. Like I said, the one thing that still throws me off is a couple episodes back, and it's my still prediction is like we have that whole Jay Garrick uh, Hunter Zolomon thing, and Hunter Zolomon was the first zoom. So right, it, it makes you really wonder which way they're going, and I love that they're throwing so many nods to the comic book readers out there, where we're able to look at it in so many ways and angles that no matter how it plays out, I think we're going to be happy. I think, I think one of the things um, that I, I, when you mentioned Hunter Zolomon, I think this is just something that the writers are doing to kind of lead us to believe, but kind of throw us off at the same time. Yeah, It's a red herring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do still have my backup uh, prediction as to who zoom is. uh, And that I think it's the earth two version of Barry's father. Yeah. Which be, that's one of the other ones I'm still kind of potentially leaning to. Like I said, and, I have my three, and it's, yeah, Wally, um, you know, Henry Allen or uh, or Hunter Zolomon. It's one of the three in my brain. Because I have heard uh, one thing of contention to the prediction that Bar- to the Wally could be Zoom is the fact that their body types do not match. Not uh, even remotely. Zoom is a much like bigger. a beast. He is, and so is Zoom. Um that's what I'm talking about. The body types is Zoom is a lot bigger and larger than Wally is. But you could also go with the point that the zo- the speed that he's taking almost like a drug could kind of be hulking him out a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. So. And uh, uh, like I said, that's it still throws me into that uh, Jay Garrick potential for, uh, you know, for maybe it has to do with the Zalman because we found out he lost his powers not by the hands of Zoom, but by Velocity 6, making him an addict as well. So we have a lot to find out what's going to how this is going to break down in the next couple of weeks. And as we saw by the preview for some of the upcoming episodes cuz and the rest of this back half of this season is going to be zoom related. We're not going to see if any of any more of these one-offs that we've been seeing throughout the year. Well, well I think with the exception of the King Shark. Yeah, we're getting a King Shark episode in 2 weeks. Uh, but beyond that, I think we're 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 down to the the last stretch for the season. Yeah, so we're going to be seeing a lot more of zoom. Uh, in the back half of this season, uh, you did. We did see a preview. If anybody hasn't seen it, it is online on YouTube. Uh, an extended, I guess, about a minute and fifteen seconds uh, extended preview where we do see Zoom taking off his mask. Uh, it doesn't show us who's underneath of it. Rob, one thing you mentioned was that you see white skin underneath of it. You yeah, don't. Um, you don't. Okay. All right. I, I was going off of a couple message boards and people taking still shots where it looks like it. And after looking at it again from we talked the other night, it's just the lighting in the room and that's all it is. Yeah, you don't see um, any. There's no it, tease of who's underneath the mask. But the only thing we have gotten confirmed definitely is uh, there's a lot of good shots of the man in iron mask. And we, we definitely see that it's an African-American. Like, I'd, no, I'd, I disagree with that, too, because I looked at them, too, and I think that's dirt. I think okay. you're, you're going to have s- to look this up. I haven't seen any of these. I'll, yeah. message, I'll message it to you when we're done. I, um, I still th- I still think we're looking at Wally, though, in the mask. I, 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 think, I think we're all pretty much, I think, dead on with that. I that. think it's a good chance, but I think being locked up in a cell wherever he is, I think it's dirt. I think it's just dirty hands. 
So you know what? Uh, something a lot of people have been ignoring though, as well. It's kind of interesting about who else is locked up in that room. What's that? I think somehow maybe in the end of the battle, you know, Jesse could very well become. Well, she's definitely going to become Jesse Quick. I, right. I, without question, I think whatever's going to go down when they find a way to neutralize Zoom before the big fight. I think that's how Wally's going to get his speed, um, how Jesse's going to get her speed. Uh, Jay might get his back in that way as well, where we're going to see kind of the speed force unleash uh, and everybody gets kind of supercharged and we're going to get that big, you know, speedster team up taking down Zoom together. Mm, that'd be yeah. good. Yeah, uh, I didn't think of that. I didn't think that far, but yeah, that's pretty. that, would, that sounds like a good plan. Who's the female <laughs> speedster that they've been mentioning is going to be coming in? I forget uh, her name. We're getting Inertia. Uh, she's coming in in the next couple episodes. Yeah, because I think there's actually a, I think there's a quick clip of her in that in there that is. teaser. Okay. It, yeah, it, it looks almost kind of like a speedy uh, like yeah. costume too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Was it, wasn't was Inertia from that future storyline with Cobalt Blue? I think so. It sounds I about right. Originally, I, I can't remember. There's exactly. so many speedsters. It's like, exactly. Said, it gets a you know, like, I'm surprised I could keep track of as much as I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, um, yeah, I think we spent a lot of time, enough time on The Flash, even though I'm sure we could probably do a whole uh, a whole podcast. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but moving on to the next episode of the week is Arrow episode 13 titled Sins of the Father. Uh, Oliver receives an offer from Nessa that is hard to refuse. Meanwhile, Thea continues to battle the bloodlust. Malcolm steps in to help his daughter and Laurel has a heart to heart talk with Nessa. Uh, some definite good moments, I think, in this episode. I guess I said I gave it a strong hero ranking. Um, trying to think of some notable things that we may have happened. We saw Felicity spend a lot of time with her father, a.k.a. the calculator. Uh, we saw the end or the supposed end of the League of Assassins, the disbandment of the League of Assassins. Um, but we're kind of jumping from beginning to end with this one. So let's start at the beginning. And, um, yeah, let's start with the calculator and, and Felicity, the Felicity part of this episode. Uh, that kind of felt like a throwaway. I, I hate to say it, but it, it felt like we got a lot of Felicity in the last couple episodes, and this one felt kind of unnecessary. I agree. Um, there was a lot of other major things happening in this episode, and cutting away to her story in the mix of all this just was not necessary. Um, you know, you had a Felicity that was shaken to the core, you know, being you now wheelchair-bound. Um, and then her coming to grips with herself and coming out strong. And then, you know, you had her back on top as Overwatch last week dealing with the calculator and to drop her back down a peg to like two to three episodes from what she's grown uh, felt like a waste of time. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, I think one of the complaints I have the most with this episode or with that that portion of the episode is I actually started to grow and believe that calculator could be a viable at least secondary villain that's something they could, you know, he could escape and they could bring it back. He could escape, you know, and then they just kind of write off the story just by having him arrested. Yeah, that was end. disappointing. It was kind of like, OK, so how are we going to end this? Let, let's just have him arrested. And I mean, I guess he could potentially escape and, and come back or get released and come back. But I, I kind of thought that was a little bit of a write off, as you said. Yeah, um, I, I think one of the things we're seeing that. This show does not mirror in the flash, which I think is something that they need to start doing is they're not building up a rogues gallery for Ollie. He's dealing usually with one to two people in the season for the overall. 
And um, he, they're not leaving him with many people to come back to. Um, where Flash has got, you know, the entire rogues to deal with uh, on a constant basis. And, um, you know, you're, you have like your racial goal all last season. There was very few one offs um, where we got anybody that just didn't get locked away immediately at the ass end. And uh, he, they having somebody like the calculator to go up against, I think, would have helped down the road. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it seems like the, the, the returning characters are usually the heroes rather than the villains, as you had mentioned, uh, you know, because we saw Roy come back. Uh, was that last week? I think. Yeah, last week. Okay, last. Uh, the, that's right. The last. Um, that was the first part of this two-part episode. Um, we did see Nessa return, even though she's never really gone away. Um, so, I, and one thing we have found out that was revealed, not really a big secret, but Oliver is still Nessa's husband in the eyes of the league. So, uh, which comes up a little bit later on in the episode. But again, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Uh, I, one thing I did like about this episode is we're starting to see a revert in Merlin. Um, I, I've enjoyed seeing the fatherly aspect of him when it comes to Thea. But by the end of this episode, we're back to the pure evil. Uh, I'm going to burn the world Merlin. Yeah, and uh, but like you kind of got his understanding of why. Um, like I, I kind of thought it was nice that they finally brought up the real purpose of the league, and it's kind of one things that they kind of dart around a little bit in Arrow, especially with how long it's been involved in the show. And it was, hey, you know, regardless, it was just that moment Ollie and them were talking. It's kind of like you would do anything to save your daughter, and he's like, no, I would do anything to keep the league where it is because of its importance in the world. All the things that in, in our history that they've helped make sure have happened. And you just don't know, based on that statement alone, what were the positives and what were the negatives. Yeah. And it makes you kind of understand the angle he's coming at from a little bit. Because the one thing they've done well with Malcolm this season is they've made him very sympathetic. And him coming at from it from that angle, yes, he's a villain. But ultimately, you kind of understood his grounds on that a little bit. Yeah, but I know one thing I'm, I know I'm looking forward to is, you know, I'm a huge fan of John Barrowman and I've read many interviews and watched many interviews with him. He absolutely loves playing that evil, deplorable character. So it's I'm looking forward now to seeing where Merlin goes from here, just knowing how much John Barrowman is going to love playing that part. So I'm really hoping that you know, the revert of Merlin back to his evil ways is going to, even though he never really was not evil, he just was more protective of Thea than anything else. But now Thea's healed. It's not a threat anymore. He's, he's going to be against Oliver. And for good reason, as you had mentioned, um, he kind of got Luked. He kind of got Luke Skywalkered in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I Twittered that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't know Ollie was training to be a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, too, because I saw that tweet and I didn't get it until after I finally watched it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> all right. But yeah, Oliver cuts off his hand in order to um, to get the ring uh, to make Nessa the new Ra's al Ghul, which is very short lived. Yeah, well, uh, let's unpack that for a second. Um, this is where some of my biggest gripes of this episode come in. And, um, you know, my wife brought up watching that and she saw that scene. It's like, you know, Rachel Ghoul's title has to be one. 
And the fact that somebody would be a champion for somebody else taking that part, that's something that doesn't feel like it would be part of the league. Uh, so that bothered me a little bit, too, when I thought about that more and more. And then I'm like, wow, this really is bugging me a lot. But secondly, this is supposed to be the big rematch between Malcolm and Ollie. And what we saw in the end of season one was like this beautifully choreographed, like five minute fight. It felt like this was what, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And a show that is done amazing fight choreography for the last couple seasons. This episode, man, like just had none of those moments at all. And it was kind of a shock to see, especially after a moment that should be that big. Um, I can I can agree with that to a degree, but I think I guess some of my reservations with that argument is the fact that this was kind of Oliver's plan from the start. So it was never going to be that big rematch. You know, it, it was he it was partial plan that he had worked on with Merlin, uh, but kind of went to another point after the plan that Merlin had known about. Obviously, Merlin didn't know he was going to lose his hand to this. Um, but I think. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe do we think that Merlin didn't know he was going to step in for Nessa? Uh, I I could be wrong about that. Uh, that felt more like a twist. Um, like you, you just didn't see it coming as much until you saw them on the rooftop and you're like, ah, this is where this is going. So, okay. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, – oh, see, one thing – this is going to sound totally wrong and it's totally off the topic of anything. I mean it, it ha- does have to do with the show. Uh, but – we now know that Oliver is, in the eyes of the league, married to Nessa. He's engaged to Felicity. And he has a kid with a third woman. So, Ollie, obviously, is still a bit of a player. Uh, but when it comes down to it, and this is just personal preference, and I'm curious as to what everybody else thinks. Given the choice, if you're Oliver, given the choice, you have to choose one, Nessa or Felicity, where do you go? Mm-hmm. No, I'm curious. I'm asking. Oh, me? Uh, my, 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 my opinion is very obvious. Okay. <laughs> well, for the listeners who can't see what you're showing, um, your choice is very obviously no, Felicity. No, 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 it's all right. It's obviously Felicity. It's, it's obviously Felicity. That. That's what I was leaving it at. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, uh, I, I still want to see this come full circle and ultimately end back at the Laurel Point. Uh, that's still one of the things I've been wanting to see uh, because, again, Willa Holland and uh, what's her name? I can't remember. Uh, Katie, Katie Lotz. Cassidy? Oh, Katie Cassidy, not Katie Lotz. Yeah. Uh, Katie Cassidy uh, have gotten the short end of the stick as far as the writers the last couple of weeks. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people don't gravitate to their characters as much. Um, but when they actually do write them well, they're as likable as everybody else in the cast. And I think that's. I'd like to see that Black Canary and, uh, you know, Green Arrow uh, relationship that's always been iconic in that that character's history. I agree with that, but you're still avoiding the question. Uh, none of them. <laughs> I, my answer is none of them. Oh, you okay? That's a cop out. No, no, I, I don't. I, don't I know. Feel I'm, only, I'm, I'm only kidding. I uh, I do not like her Black Canary. So <laughs> sorry. Um, Understandable. I'm not a big fan of the character. She just. She irritates me more than anything else just because I don't like she she's she's just doesn't it's one of those tropes of TV where you know you have characters you have the one person who incidentally and irritatingly in my opinion is always portrayed as female and I mean you want to go back as far as um what's her name in Lost always like it's like if this character just listened 
to the other people on the show just once instead of just being so petulant and being portrayed as so just like belligerent they would be better like you know she should know that you know there are other people that are more talented in her in terms of fighting there are other people that have more skill in her in terms of this whole you know vigilante thing that they're going for but she just always like mm, eh, i'm gonna do it myself eh. and just kind of like it's just she, she's very immature as a character and i just really can't stand that whereas in the comics black canary was Awesome. Like, <laughs> fucking exactly. amazing. She's Very an amazing strong, character. Stronger than Ollie. You know, and she was the she was for for Ollie in the comics, she was the you know, the 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 the, the stoic, steady, you know, that she's what kept him up and kept him going most of the time. And it's just the fact that they, they play her character down and play her dumb. It's just so it bothers me so much. It does. And I, I, I think, honestly, we saw her really shine uh, in right before the break of season three. And uh, that was the Laurel I was hoping we were going to get for the long term when we saw her, you know, training with uh, Ted Grant, Wildcat. And I'm like, that's perfect. Keep doing this. And then they just stopped. They just kind of threw it away. Right. And I was just like, because I thought we were going to finally see that evolution of her character. And they 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 dropped the ball on that. And she's kind of gotten lost in the ensemble a little bit. I know it's it's it's, it's, it's a shame. Add shame exactly. Like I mean, I said, it's, she, she showed us a lot of positives to her character in the show, but they, the writers keep forgetting her in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and it's really really unfortunate. It's almost as bad as the fact that you know if if Starling, what's it called now, Star City, Star, Star City, yeah. Uh, if Star City is considered maybe New York, that Nanda Parbat must be right here in New Jersey because. <laughs> How easily do they always go back and forth yeah. in like five minutes? You know, they're, they're like Nanda Parbat is supposed to be in like Thailand, but they're 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 back and forth and like oh, it's just like it's like dry, like flying from like here to Boston. You know, not a big deal. Yeah. It's just cross the bridge. It's just cross the bridge. It's a, hey, it's a, do, you guys, it, do you guys have any subway money? Because we need to get to Nanda Parbat. Uh, is there a path <laughs> that goes there? I mean, is public transit go to Nanda Parbat? There's a there's a footpath right behind the building. Oh yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take the L. To uh, you know the, the the you know whatever to like the way station stop and then you get out you walk and there's a little park back there League of Assassins right on the mantle. <laughs> it's that that hey, that does drive me nuts. Oh my god, yeah, I'm thankful I'm not the only one on that one. Cool. Well, here's here's the thing is that they have focused so much on the League of Assassins when that could have been a storyline that was just good for one season and they keep bringing it back and they keep going back and forth and I'm like that whole thing just needs to stop anyway and because, I'm hoping that yeah this episode hopefully did that I really hope yeah cuz you said it there is such a larger rogues gallery that could be you know tapped into for a more interesting show and and and, it, and the I miss, I think Rob and I think Ben, we've talked about this before, and this is where Arrow in the past couple seasons for me has fallen short in, in general, is the fact that I miss, growing up in the 80s, you know, we didn't have a lot of these big arcing storylines. That didn't happen until the late 90s. And I miss the episodic shows. I mean, they were really fun. You look at Star Trek Next Generation, you look at A-Team, they're classics. Everybody loves them. Why? Because you didn't have to be so invested that if you missed an episode, you were completely lost. Like, nobody who hasn't been watching Epi uh, Arrow to this point could have jumped in on this episode and been like, oh, yeah, it was a good episode. Like, they'd be like, what the F is going on? You know, and that's yeah. that's kind of really bothers me a lot. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a reason why, like, all these shows started as a villain of the week kind of show. And it worked 
to a good point because you're showcasing your heroes and their strengths and their weaknesses those ways, the way yeah. comics used to always do. Exactly. Um, I mean, I kind of like that they're getting, I, I, you know, it's nice that they're doing these two-parter episodes a lot where it feels like a classic comic arc. But it's, uh, you know, make that, those two or three episodes, if you want to tell that story, stretch it over three. And then let's like, okay, cool, back to status quo, let's go. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I can, I can see that as well. Uh, I guess before we wrap up things with Arrow for this week, uh, any changes on our predictions for who is in the grave? Uh, we have two new ones now. Uh, uh, one of the points we missed real quick was uh, at the very ass end of the episode. Uh, Malcolm goes to Damien Dark and says, hey, Oliver's got a son. And uh, now we have two new names to add to that list of who is in that coffin, his son, William, or his uh, ex-girlfriend. I think you could add into that list as well. Yeah. Did he did he not reference the grave being belonging to a female character, though? Uh, I don't think we've got any reference to male or female yet. I thought so. If we have, I missed it. Okay. It's something I definitely missed. Um, but the other thing I also thought about, too, is the fact that in the episode where we see Felicity and Oliver in the limousine, where, you know, Felicity says, you know, turns to Oliver and says he has to die, we now have a point in contention where that could mean Damien Dark, which I think is the strongest possibility. Or could it possibly be Malcolm Merlin now that she is referring to? Very positive, positive. It's one of the two, but I have a feeling it's still, we're still looking at dark. That's what I think too. In the yeah. grave? No, the the person that Felicity is referring to, saying he has to die, meaning the person responsible for whoever's in the grave. Oh, all right. So, I mean, I think it is a strong possibility now with with Malcolm that it could be. Or is this part of a longer play? I mean, is this something that? You know, Malcolm sacrificed his own hand in order to get in good with Damian Dark for the good of the team. You know, this uh, is... I don't think we're going to see a repeat of last season, in all honesty. I think this is... Uh, we even saw, you know, the mid-season break for the back uh, backdoor pilot for Legends. Malcolm even scooping up the ashes of Vandal Savage. This is... I think we're getting back to... Evil Merlin. Evil Merlin, uh, straight up. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can see that, too. So uh, last show of the week that we are going to move into, obviously, is DC's Legends of Tomorrow, episode four, uh, titled White Knights. Uh, pretty much Dr. Stein secretly sneaks into a lab and finds out that Savage is trying to create Firestorm. A uh, lot of great nods in this episode. And again, in my opinion, another great Leonard Snart episode. Yes. He still he still shines, man. He Number is my, one. He is my favorite character out of this entire ensemble. What I love so much about his character is how smarmy and slimy the way he talks. And he kind of, hmm, all right. You know, <laughs> that I just, it's very much like, you know, if he had one of those big mustaches, he'd be twirling it. And <laughs> oh, I know. I love it so much. He's the oh. kind of guy that would be tying the woman up on the railroad tracks. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And it's fantastic. Yeah, it's so fantastic. so we, I love it. So uh, Wentworth Miller for the next Nile Whiplash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could definitely be. Oh. Uh, but I know one thing that we can. Um, I know one other thing, other than obviously the whole firestorm uh, storyline that we saw is we're seeing a bit of a difference or a change in Kendra. Uh, she's becoming more vicious, and obviously it's it's becoming apparent that there's something going on with her with the loss of um, Connor, Hawkman. Um, maybe there's an imbalance between the two of them now that one is gone and the other one isn't. 
Uh, but it's almost very similar to the bloodlust that Sarah is apparently still suffering from. And now we know from Arrow that there's no more Black Lotus to to help her from it. So it's something that Sarah obviously is going to have to deal with for quite oh, a long there, time. There's always a Black Lotus. They have a time. Uh, they can time travel. <laughs> so they're yeah. fine. So that's true. Yeah, <laughs> now, I didn't even think about that. Help me out with this. Maybe maybe one of you could shed some light. Now, I could have sworn when they brought Sarah back, when, when John brought her soul back, was that just bringing a soul and she's still affected by the pit somehow? Or I thought that she would be cured of that. Well, I, I'm starting to think after we saw last episode when she stopped herself from killing the one guy and there was all the knife cuts. It, it sounds like it's just honestly, this is just, that's just Sarah. I have a feeling it has nothing to do with the pit. I don't think it has anything to do with that rage. That is just her. Just part of who she is. Okay. I think Fair so. Enough. Because like we even saw that a little bit back on Arrow when uh, we saw her and Ollie square off back on the Amazo ship um, and back on uh, on Lee and you. Uh, that just seemed like that was her even prior to being brought back from the pit. She's just we, we now know in Legends we have two berserker females, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which which again goes to me saying now not to be Mr. Uh, you know, like I, I, I'm I'm one of those guys who sort of like gets like angry about people like looking for looking into things. But it just kind of makes me feel like the writers aren't really necessarily sure about what to do with the female characters because you're really sort of giving them both the same personality unnecessarily. Like there, there really could be a lot more depth in there. Like Snart, they've gotten to a really a lot of depth. Uh, I'd like to see more depth in the Heat Waves character. I mean, unless you want to just make him, he is just a grumpy, dumb, bad guy, which would be okay. But if there's no depth to there, I'm fine with that. But I mean, I'd like to see it explore explored a lot more because. I mean, how many times is Hawkgirl going to say, a month ago, I was the barista. She literally has said that two or three times now. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, again, we, we're forgetting. I think that's what's tricky in the show is we've had time to grow a couple of these characters already. Like, Cold has had so many appearances on Flash prior to this. We're only on episode four now. Um, and it's just how they. Yeah, I think you're right. It's I think that's what we're going to start seeing more and more and more showing us more of Kendra. Because out mm. of most of this cast, she's the only one that hasn't really shined yet. She hasn't had time to. Um, right. And I think we're hopefully getting to that. And I hope and you can see a little touch of that this week with uh, the training sequences back and forth between uh, um, Sarah and her. That she was just kind of like, hey, you know, like I can pull this together. You know, you I'm a lot more human than you are. You're a little bit more rage. But it's just making sure that they don't get to a point where, again, they're building them up to becoming the same person. I think that's part of the reason why they could have written off Hawkman, at least for a couple episodes, because I'm, I'm pretty confident he's going to be coming back at some point, one way or another. But the loss of him for now, I think, is a good way for Kendra to find herself. And, you know, this way, so when they bring Hawkman back, they bring Connor back, it's... No, is it Connor? I keep forgetting. Carter. Carter. I knew it was something like similar. Um... You know, so when they bring Carter back and they bring Hawkman back, she's going to be ready for the actual team up that they should be and not somebody who's still trying to find herself. She's going to know who she is by the time they bring Carter back. I'm just very curious as to how they're going to bring Carter back. Time travel. Yeah, I know it's time travel. But I mean, if you pull a Carter from another time period, then you're kind of separating him from from Kendra of that time period. Well, it goes it, back to, I mean, think about it. It goes back to what we were saying. I think back on uh, issue one of the show, um, it, it's what's they're doing is 
have Kendra build herself back up, and she's the one that's got to bring Carter back. Um, it's kind of just brings it around full circle. It seems like it makes the most sense for season one, at least. Yeah, I could see that. I think one of the things that this show is struggling with, and it's not a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of things that the show is struggling with. I'm enjoying it. Uh, but I think one of the things that the show is struggling with is the fact that they're they're spending too much time on whether or not um, – you know, whether or not time travel is or whether or not, oh God, I'm trying to think of the way to to phrase it. I should have had this ready before I even started talking about it. Um, but it's it's whether or not a decision to, to time traveling to kill Savage is worth it. Um, they're spending too much time on what the possible repercussions could be instead of just focusing on the fact that these are locked points in times. No matter what we do, these things are inevitable to happen, which they've already touched on. Um, you know, with with Snart going back and seeing himself, it's it, it hasn't really changed anything other than the, his still his father still got arrested. You know, the timeline corrects itself no matter what happens, and these fixed point in times are still going to happen. I think they need to concentrate more on. Let's just go through time and kill Savage rather than worry about the consequences. If that makes any sense, it probably doesn't. I, I could be completely off. No, I I agree, but I think here. Okay, so what they should be doing in the show right now is they've already figured out that they can kill Savage if they give Kendra one of the items that they had, so on and so forth. And why haven't they, knowing that? focused on her training above everything else because they know that he's immortal they know that he is insanely talented in near every you know martial art what have you uh, why haven't they sit, sat there and focused like they sort of said all right well we know that you're the you're the key to this so let's just you know you go screw around with black canary or white canary whatever i'm gonna call her in the back we're gonna go far around and do completely unnecessary things i mean yes you have to stretch out a season but at the same hand, maybe they should just be going through time and doing other things while they train her. Yeah. They, I, I think it really it could be handled a lot smarter. Like, I mean, it would be nice, again, to see that strong female character that they have obviously laid out to be the key to this whole situation. But she's been ignored, practically ignored. True. I think another thought could be to... I mean, obviously, if they did this, it, there wouldn't be a television series. But um, <laughs> why not just go back and kill Vandal Savage's mother as a.k.a. Terminator? <laughs> you know, you'd end this whole situation very quickly. Obviously, again, we wouldn't have a, D- a Legends of Tomorrow television show. But um, or just find him as a little kid, punch him in the teeth and say, don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Don't be a dick. Don't do it. Uh, we did see the return of at least temporarily, and I still don't think he's dead, but we saw the return of Kronos in the beginning of this episode, which I thought was a pretty cool segment, a pretty cool um, series with them, uh, you know, with the jets flying through and, you know, them cutting the engine so that the missiles find his plane and find and, Kronos. And the that. beautiful Top Gun reference of anybody being close, yeah. to, that close to a MiG-28. <laughs> and, I, and I love the fact that Heat Wave was like, did you just quote Top Gun? Top Gun. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I love the interactions between the characters, oh, yeah. uh, um, especially Heatwave. I think Heatwave is is the comic relief. But oh, yeah. I, I just can't, I can't get over how much I'm loving Leonard Snart in this in this series. I really can't. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, like, we had a couple really great, like, shining moments this week. I mean, I love seeing Brandon Routh, like, jumping up as Ray and being like, I always wanted to be a spy. And it's kind of like him geeking out, you know, those little moments and him trying so hard with Valentina. And um, not being good at it. <laughs> yeah, uh, which was awesome. And, you know, Captain, uh, you know, Captain Cold still picking wallets just for fun. You know, like little moments like that just made me smile. It it shows that even though they're putting these characters together, they're not taking away. They're not changing their characters. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, Len- Leonard Snart is still the pickpocket. Heatwave is still the over aggressive short fuse that he has, you know, kind of guy that he is. Uh, Brandon Routh is still like you was mentioned, you know, uh, Ray Palmer still geeks out over the simplest things. Uh, Martin Stein is still to a degree a little bit of like a pompous professor. And that, uh, on that note, if I may stop you there, I apologize. Do you no, it's fine. You continue. Uh, okay, so his scene uh, oh, describing about how, why he is the way he is and having lost Ronnie and all that, that was why I gave this episode such a high rating because... That was mine too. That was perfect. You know, that was I, I, I that was the heart of the entire episode. If... Nothing else good came out of that episode. That scene where he was practically in tears saying how he does it because he's afraid to lose, you know, uh, uh, he doesn't want to be the guy to go and go home to uh, Jax's uh, parents and tell him that he lost the boy. Like, oh, my God. That was amazing. And that finally explains his action to, you know, you know, to, forcefully to drug, take yeah. to, to like to drug Jackson, take him along on this, and it's kind of like, look, this is for the better of everybody. I can't do this alone. You have to come and do this. But feeling why he's feeling so much regret for it, and now all his attitude and stuff like that we've seen so far from the show, why he's been so different since we've seen him in Flash. Now it all makes sense. It all kind of finally clicks. I no longer have a gripe about any of that stuff, and it it was a beautifully touching scene. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with that too. Uh moving into next week with uh Legends obviously by the end of the episode um we have Stein uh Snart Heatwave and um and Ray are all taken into uh taken into custody by the Russians and thrown into the Gulag which we see in the in the uh in the trailer for next week. So we're going to have to see Sarah Rip Kendra and Jefferson and Jefferson all pretty much come together to uh, to try and rescue this. Do we think this is going to be a better episode than last week uh, being a conclusion of a storyline or is this going to be kind of on the same level? Well, I actually kind of expect a couple big things to come out of this episode. Uh, One of the things we didn't really touch on yet is there was a couple really awesome DC nods that happened in this week. Um, Obviously, like just the title alone, and I didn't give it any thought until I kind of watched the episode a second time. White Knight. Um, White Knight is a nice little reference to obviously, you know, cold throughout the episode as far as like he's like, I'm not the White Knight. But when you think about it in DC terms, it's a nice reference to Checkmate Um, and good reasoning why Uh, Valentina Vostok is the White Queen from Checkmate. I completely didn't think about that, which is a huge organization that does a lot of shady shit similar to Cadmus. Um, But she's also going to become Negative Woman at some point in time and be a member of the Doom Patrol. So another great group of DC characters. Um, But that all happened from that weird kind of a weird accident, very similar to, you know, the particle accelerator idea. So I'm wondering if next week 
that core that makes that firestorm is going to go off, go crazy. We're going to see Valentina get her power set. Um, the one uh, rushing guard that we saw uh, is, if I think who that is, that's probably Mikhail Arcaden, who is, uh, I think, I can never remember his name. I think it's like Pozar or something like that. It's like P-O-Z-H-A-R, something weird. But he's a firestorm villain. He's the Russian firestorm. Um, so there's a lot of chances we're going to see a, a fairly explosive episode next week and a lot of major things going down. If um, so, yeah, I, I, well, I mean, in that case, I see, I didn't know any of those references. So now that I know those references, uh, I'm excited now. Yeah. About um, next week's episode. But yeah, Valentina is a character, I think, to keep our eyes on, especially in the show, if they do much with her. Um, again, the Doom Patrol is still one of my favorite old comic series from way back when. And uh, I, I'd be amazed to see if they start rushing her down the line to make her a negative woman. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. So, uh, cool. So that's going to wrap it up then with Secret Origins and our breakdowns of the episodes this week. Uh, moving on now to DC Essentials, where we'll talk some of the DC news and make some recommendations. I don't really think there's a lot in the news this week. Uh, the only thing I know of that we saw is we saw a new Batman v Superman trailer released to the world this week. Uh, that, uh, in my personal opinion, from the very beginning of them casting... Ben Affleck as Batman, I thought he was going to be great. I've never been more convinced of that now after seeing this trailer. And I'm, but however, I'm still not sold on the movie. I'm really not. I agree. I mean, we finally saw Batman fight like Batman for the first time ever, um, which made me really excited. Uh, and I think Jeremy Irons, just seeing him in this trailer as well for Alfred, I think he's going to be exceptional as well. But the movie still is kind of coming in lukewarm for me right now. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Any it's uh, I I want to say I have the same opinion. And as I'm coming in here on the fourth episode with you guys, um, you may have said this before about it, but it's just I mean, it. I'm going to we're all obviously going to go see it. It's just in our nature to do so. Um, I was highly disappointed in Man of Steel, but we don't need to get into that. Oh, I was, too. And trust me, yeah, we, could, well, we could spend a whole nother hour on that. But it, it's nothing that hasn't already been said. My problem here is that they're doing too much. I mean, they're bringing in God. They're introducing, even if it's only for a minute, still, Cyborg, Hal Jordan, uh, Diana, uh, uh, Doomsday. What? Why? Uh, you know, I mean, all these, it's the old saying, the old cliche, you know, uh, too many hands in the pot makes for a sour soup. They're just, they're, they're doing too much. I mean, it's, I think... I like a Batman vs. Superman movie, but I would have liked a Batfleck movie first. Um, you know, even fold Batfleck into the, uh, uh, the, the the Suicide Squad movie or something. Just do something else with him. I mean, he the, with how they, it looks like they're portraying him, I would have rather seen his movie, especially with what you've seen in this last trailer. I would have rather seen his movie than any of the Christopher Nolan movies because it looks to me like a more comic book traditional dark Knight character that would have translated gorgeously to his own standalone film. Yeah. And then, you know, then you, you, you lead us into knowing what kind of man he is, who he is and give us a whole movie about his history and where he's coming from and, and where he is now. By the time you're bringing him in as a relatively old man, you know, and, um, 
And then throwing Wonder Woman in there, just, you know, what, what is she just going to appear? Oh, hey, who the hell is this? Did you bring her? No, I didn't. Her, 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 her. She was somewhere fighting Doomsday. Hey, all right, maybe she flies away on her, you know, invisible chariot, what have you. I, I don't know. And the Aquaman, and uh, it's it's too much. It's just too much in one film, and I think it's really going to muddy everything up. Because yeah. we all remember what the, happened the last time they tried to fit too many things into one movie. We got Spider-Man 3. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. like, you know, I think a big part of it, too, is I, you're, you're starting to wonder as well, um, looking at the grand scheme of things, if Warner Brothers starts to realize, and I think they're starting to, which is why they're throwing in so much, is I think we're now on the bubble of the comic book movie. Um, we're we're going to get ready to hit that decline, I think, sooner rather than later. And uh, I think you're going to start seeing attendance numbers starting to drop. And I think they're throwing everything they have at it in hopes that they can cement themselves in this this fight between Marvel. And I think they're making the wrong call. But that's the problem there. I mean, again, you know, I'm a huge movie buff. I've I've watched these these trends come and go. I worked in video stores since the 80s, you know, and it's kind of like what DC Warner Brothers would do were they smart is recognizing these trends. Instead of trying to jump in and cash in all their chips in one shot, like write it out. Say, all right, well, you know what? We see all these others are going to wane. Let's just continue to make fucking, I'm sorry, are we allowed to curse on this? Yes, yeah, oh, yeah, you're, you're fine. fine. Okay. <laughs> Quality <laughs> movies. Quality characters. Let's take Let's learn everything we can from what's come previous and let's really build our own and not drop the ball here. But I think it's kind of like they're in such a hurry to hit the crescendo that they're not really just putting enough effort into making that making it stick. You know, what I, 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 get, I, I don't know if I'm explaining myself. Properly. No, I, I think I get what you're saying. I mean, it's it's pretty much like, look how long Marvel took to set up the Avengers, you know, exactly. with all the movies that they did. And it's almost as if Warner Brothers is trying to play catch up way too fast. Yeah. You know, by throwing this in. I mean, you had Man of Steel. Now you've got Batman v Superman. And the next movie is the Justice League. Two movies to set up the Justice League is not enough time. You know, whereas Marvel had you had Iron Man one, Iron Man two, Thor, Incredible Hulk. Um, I know there's other Captain America. They took their time to set this up, and DC's just trying to set up way too much, way too fast. Yeah. Um, I will say some of the brilliance I have found in these trailers, and Rob, I mentioned this to you before too, is the first man, uh, first Bat- Batman v Superman trailer we saw almost portrays Batman as more of the villain between the two, and this one is kind of the opposite. It sets Batman up as the hero and Superman up as the villain a little bit. Uh, but what I think sets this trailer apart and the reason why I've never been more sold on as Affleck on Batman or as on Affleck as Batman is the fact that Zack Snyder is taking this dark approach to these movies. Superman is not a dark character. It's one of the, my biggest issues with Man of Steel. But when you take a character like Batman who is meant to be a darker character and you take that darker approach to it, it looks brilliant. So if we were to see a Batman movie like we saw Batman in this trailer, you know, not with, uh, you know, without Man of Steel in it, it's it, it, the movie could be fantastic. Yeah, so. I agree. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how it is. As Chris had mentioned, we'll all go see it, you know, but it's just a matter of whether or not we're going to enjoy it when we see it. Indeed. 
Uh, but before we wrap things up, anything we can think of that we want to recommend to people to check out before our next episode? Um, you know, Rob, I've got, I, I don't really have much this week. so uh, I, just, I just got two real quick uh, for our DC Essentials here. Um, the one thing I can suggest for people out there that you know we bring up a lot of comic book related stuff, and I know it's really hard to keep up in the world of comic books, but if you're interested in DC stuff, there's a podcast out there that's exceptional called DCR Podcast, which is uh, stands for Distressed Citizens Radio, and they break down all of the comics in DC's uh, line for the week. Um in about a two-hour episode every week that usually comes up every Monday morning. Uh, really, it's funny, um, and they kind of hit the major points, but it's a nice way to kind of stay abreast of what's happening in the comics world. And it's a, been a nice way that I've been able to keep up when I've, you know, waned interest on picking up books or reading um, every once in a blue moon. But it's a nice way to stay, stay afloat. Uh, beyond that, uh, because we were talking about Batman Superman, uh, I got to say... This movie may seem eh, the the one coming up, but you can always go back to the animated movie from 97, Batman Superman World's Finest. Uh, just an awesome, uh, awesome little animated flick. All right, cool. Uh, Chris, anything you can think of off the top of your head that you've loved that you think people should check out? Um, I haven't. I'm actually maybe going to watch it this weekend, but I haven't really watched all the new DC animated. But first and foremost, did you see the... Teen Titans vs. Justice League animation that's come out and read all about that. Yes, uh, I, uh, I'm looking forward to that coming up soon. I know that's... Oh my that's, gosh. <laughs> that looks like it's going to be wonderful. Oh my god, that's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, they DC has been uh, knocking it out of the park in their little animated movies, or as I've been calling the, the uh, new form OVAs from like, you know, the old anime days of just the one-shot animations they used to make. Um, but that's really, that's something that uh, especially if people are a fan of the TV shows and the movies, that shouldn't be dismissed because I think a lot of people, they they have been dismissing their cartoons as, oh, they're probably kitty and dumb. I don't want to watch that. They're really good. They're really, really fantastic. They're taken very seriously, and just the storylines have been utterly wonderful, and I'm, I'm very happy with what they've been doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't really have anything um, this week that I'm going to recommend. Um so, but uh, hopefully I'll have something again for next week as well. Uh, but before we get out of here, again, uh, our cheap plugs real quick. Chris, where can people find you and uh, your stuff with Nerdbase? Uh, I've most been, mostly been active on the Nerdbase Facebook page, uh, which I believe is facebook.com slash NerdbaseGo, and especially on the Twitter at uh, NerdbaseGo. Um, but then nerd-base.com is, is, you know, is where it's at. That's 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 our home. <laughs> yeah, and we actually have had a, another spike in an article that was written two years ago by uh, my buddy Richard uh, about the differences between um, the Edge of Tomorrow and uh, book and movie. That just I was awake. I woke up this morning. My phone buzzed. I'm like, what in the world is it? Is that his article is still getting so many hits? People love that article. It's like, oh my gosh, it's it's nuts. It's probably I had over, uh, probably over fifty thousand hits now for a single article. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I, I for for a little rinky dink website like it is. I mean, that's that's something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and I'm looking forward to your new podcast too when you guys get that up and running. Yes, we are very, very, very excited. I mean, you know, I'm sure I'm gonna like you you guys are gonna see it first just because we need to pass around and make sure that uh it's good for public consumption. Yeah. 
Yeah. If it's anything like the videos you've been showing us as we've been doing this podcast, I'm sure it will be entertaining <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. I wish some of the people at home could see the stuff that is coming up on the screen. I, uh, I've, I've been sending these guys animated GIFs almost this entire time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we've been doing our best not to crack. Yes, exactly. Oh, and I, I've actually been trying to make you guys crack. <laughs> listen, to, listen to either one of you as you're talking. Just let a, a little snicker like... So a very serious topic here. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's been difficult, but we got through it. Uh, Rob, you and Caffeine Crew. Yes, CaffeineCrew.com. Uh, you can always uh, reach out if you want to talk about this show or uh, our uh, Cast Pods monthly show. Uh, you can always hit me up on uh, thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com, or you can just follow us on Twitter at Caffeine Crew. Cool. Uh, and I do the showcast, which is posted every Monday on the Next Level Podcast Network. Uh, which you can find at www.nextlevelradioonline.com on iTunes, Next Level Radio, and follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. Pretty simple. But that's going to be it for this week's episode or this week's issue of DC Primetime. Until next week, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Toodles.